For those of us with school-age children in the Northern Hemisphere, I guess, it's back to school time. And if you're in Ontario like I am, your kids have been out of school more than in over the past two years. I haven't done the math on that, but it sure feels like it. Back to school can be exciting, but for many parents, I know it can also be a source of anxiety. And this applies if you've got smaller children ready to start daycare as well. Because when they're at school or daycare, they're spending six plus hours in a building and with people you have seemingly zero control over. This can feel overwhelming, especially if you're earlier in your toxin reduction journey or if you struggle with anxiety already. You've worked so hard to try to reduce your kids' exposure to things at home, but what happens when they enter somebody else's care? If you're feeling anxious or even just a touch worried about this, I'm here to hopefully put your mind at ease in this episode, and I want you to know that you are certainly not alone. I hear from so many people about their worries, fears, and anxieties that I want you to know whatever you're feeling, your feelings are valid. I want to help you acknowledge them while helping you move past the worry about the things that you can't control. But first, let's cue up the intro for those who are new to the show. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. Before I dive into the questions and how you can approach them, I want to first say that everyone will have a different level of energy, ability, and priority for trying to implement change in your child's school or daycare. Whatever you decide to do, that's okay. Some people are very concerned about the exposures I'm about to talk about and are willing to go to great lengths to try to avoid them. Others will feel okay with what happens at school and others will be somewhere in between. There is no right or wrong way to handle this. What I want to do for you in this episode is help you understand some things you might have control over, what you might not, and how you can take action either way. Now, some of the common concerns I hear from parents when sending their kids off to school or daycare are the hand soaps and cleaning supplies aren't what I would use. Is that a concern? The staff use bleach to clean toys and surfaces. Is this safe? And this one is more recent as I'm recording this a year and a half into the COVID-19 pandemic. And that is, are the hand sanitizers they have to use toxic? These are the big ones, but I also want to address some other issues, not to add more to your plate, but to, again, help you make more informed decisions that are in alignment with the work you're already doing in your own home. All right, let's walk through each of these one by one. First, hand soap and cleaning supplies. 
When it comes to hand washing, you can ask what the school uses. The school board or school office should be able to tell you, as typically there are approved vendors and they have documentation on hand. Some classrooms may have soaps supplied by the teacher, so that's something you can ask as well. My biggest concerns for these products are antibacterial hand washes, certain preservatives, and heavily fragranced products. Preservatives and fragrance are particularly a concern for children with allergies or eczema already. So if that's you, you may want to pay a little bit closer attention, and this might be something that you do take more action on. If your child struggles with eczema or skin irritation, and you see that the products used in the classroom contain methyl isothiazolinone or benzoisothiazolinone, you may want to reconsider and send an alternative with your child or request that a different product be used in the school. Why? Well, these ingredients can be skin sensitizers. If you don't use them at home and your child only uses them while at school and doesn't have any symptoms, it's not something that I'd necessarily stress about, but those with asthma may be predisposed to developing eczema and an increased skin reaction, so it's something to keep in mind. If heavily scented products are being used, Many schools and school boards are actually adopting scent-free policies. So if you find that a product your child is using is heavily scented, mine's come home sometimes and I can still smell it on their hands and it drives me bananas, you can refer to the school's own policy. If no policy exists and you want to petition the school or school board to implement one, there are several resources online and I'll link a few in the show notes, but Google can also be your friend here. Now, for many parents, fighting with the school over the soap they use in the bathroom just isn't something they're willing to do. And as I said at the start, that's okay. You don't have to pick all the fights. One of the beautiful things about getting serious about toxins in your home is that you can feel confident you're increasing your child's capacity to cope with the toxins that they 100% will experience when they're out in the world. So while they will come into contact with products and ingredients you wouldn't use in your own home, remind yourself that total avoidance is not the goal here. The real goal is to reduce our toxic load so that our bodies can process the toxins we are exposed to properly. And you do that by first reducing the toxins that are in your control and most heavily impacting your body burden. So what you're exposed to the most and that has the more likely toxins to be impacting your health and building up in your body. Then you can look at supporting detoxification systems for children, keeping an eye on making sure that they're having regular bowel movements and drinking sufficient water is a great place to start. And if you're concerned, I suggest working with a naturopathic doctor to ensure that detox pathways are running smoothly. Okay, that was a bit of a tangent, but an important one. Now, when it comes to the cleaning products used in schools, they may not be as bad as you fear. Many schools are actually required to use safer chemicals for cleaning because of their use around young children. Again, you can request the product list from either your board or your school's administration. Keep in mind that most of the cleaning occurs when children have gone home for the day and they have all night to dissipate. So the exposure level to the child is likely going to be, I have a mini training called the Complete Guide to Choosing Healthier Skin Care and Cleaners. It's focused on your home product use, but it includes ingredients to watch for and tips for reading labels. So if you're not comfortable with ingredient detective work yet, 
you can purchase it at greenathome.ca forward slash product guide, and I'll drop that link in the show notes. This brings up a more concerning and serious issue, actually, on the note of air quality. Where I used to live in Toronto, our school was 100 years old. I have since moved and I'm in a brand new school, so it's a very different scenario. But the first few years of my child schooling and my own schooling, for that matter, was in a school that was 100 years old. It didn't have central air, and so the only airflow happened if teachers opened windows. This is more of a systemic problem than one that you will be able to solve immediately. The pandemic has shone a bright light on the inadequate school maintenance that's been deteriorating for decades in Toronto, and I'm sure that city isn't alone. This is a much bigger fight that is one that I think those of us with children should be raising with school trustees and elected officials, especially with young children, because they're going to be in the school system for quite some time. If your child is in a portable, I would ask what they're doing to ensure proper ventilation and that no mold is present. Mold is particularly risky in portables because of common water leaks and poor ventilation, and often it's hidden behind walls. If you have a chance to go in the portable, you might be able to get a sense as to the air quality. Sometimes if it's musty, that will be a big red flag that maybe you want to investigate. Now, most people won't be affected by any low levels of mold in the portable. And if there are high levels, then it's probably going to have been caught because many people would have had reactions. But if your child has asthma or increased or new symptoms after being in a portable, it is worth investigating. This is a known problem, so it won't be new information that a portable could be the culprit for symptoms. Okay, back to the next common question, and that's about bleach. This is mostly for parents with children starting daycare. I know here in Canada, there are laws that licensed daycare providers have to abide by, and this includes very specific instructions for disinfecting toys and surfaces. The default product they approve is bleach, and I'm sure the U.S. has something similar. The bleach is diluted and rinsed before drying, or the product, the toy or surface or whatever it is, are rinsed before drying. So residues are possible, but are likely going to be minimal, if anything. The main concern with bleach use, as I see it, are the fumes that are released when it's being used. Sanitizing ideally should be done when children aren't nearby and always with proper ventilation. Again, there are likely standards for this to protect the health and safety of both the workers and the children. This sort of policy may not always be followed and it may not always be easy. Again, the daycare my child went to was in the school I talked about before that had no ventilation. So there are going to be some things that may or may not be that practical. But if you know that there's a policy in place that lays out the requirements for how products are used, it's often helpful to have this official guidance to fall back on if you have concerns about bleach use around your child. And know that there are bleach alternatives. This may get pushback because bleach is what's mentioned in the regulations and if they're having inspections done and they're using something else it might mean more headache for them and so it may just take a little bit of time letting them know that or looking into what approved alternatives might be for your area. The US EPA actually has a program called Design for the Environment Safer Choice to help institutions and businesses adopt safer products. 
And there's a database of safer choice approved products that's available at epa.gov slash safer choice. And I'll pop that link in the show notes. I find referencing government resources when suggesting alternatives better than unknown websites, even if they are reputable. The government agency ones are often easier for schools to take at face value. And finally, hand sanitizers. Now, I don't advocate for regular hand sanitizer use normally, but I know my kids need to be in school and it's part of the protocols right now. So I'm personally going along with it. However, I provide them with their own bottles in their backpacks and explain why I want them to use it. If you have older kids, mine are nine and six, including them in the conversation around toxins and some of the choices that you are making for you and your family is a perfect next step if you aren't already. The products I send are store-bought, not homemade, and they're alcohol-based. So they've got correct dilution percentages. And if somebody does raise a concern about not using school-issued sanitizer, they can see that there's a package and the information is all on there. I also ask my kids to wash with soap and water whenever they have the option. Some classes have sinks right in them, especially for younger kids. And so I suggest that is what they should use as a priority. I explain that hand sanitizers are designed to kill germs, but they also kill good bugs that our skin relies on to keep us healthy. Occasional use isn't going to hurt us, but when we have the choice, soap and water is better. That's kind of the level that I take it with my kids and then answer any questions that they might have. Now, the other exposure that most concerns me in schools is drinking water. If you're in an older school, there's a good chance that there's still lead piping. In fact, our old Toronto school board had a policy to flush the lines for a few minutes at the start of the day, in the daycare anyways, to reduce the lead content in the water. I always send my kids with water bottles and ask them to avoid the fountains wherever possible. Water is something that I'm not one to compromise on, so they get a water bottle or two of filtered water from home. Again, my kids don't drink 100% filtered water. We do drink from the tab of we're at someone else's house or out and about. But when they have the choice and they're drinking a bunch of water at school every day, it is something that I will ask them to use their drinking water bottles wherever possible. If you're not yet filtering your water at home with a filter beyond a fridge filter, ideally, you can find details on my guide to choosing a water filter at greenathome.ca forward slash water filter. And that link will be in the show notes as well. I hope you found this helpful. Whether you choose to confront your school about their practices, do some research so you're aware of what's being used, but decide not to take any action aside from your own product choices, or maybe you just let things go entirely. Know that you're doing the best you can for your kid. I wanted to share this information so that no matter where you were at on the spectrum, you knew what your options were. If you want support making confident choices in your home so you can stress less about what goes on in daycares, schools, grandma's house, and everywhere else that you can't control, know that I'm here for you. I have several options to work with me. I have whack loads of free resources. So whether you want solution-specific mini-courses like the ones I mentioned in this episode or a fully supported plan to confidently lower toxins in each room of your home, I've got you. Please reach out. If you're ready for support or want to know where you can find more information, I would be happy to point you to a resource that will be most helpful. 
You can DM me on Instagram. I'm at Emma underscore green at home or send me an email. Hello at green at home dot CA. I know if a lot of you are like me, you might feel shy reaching out to somebody that you listen to on a podcast or just see on social media, but I'm a real person and I really do love helping you. So please don't be shy. Reach out. Let me know what you're struggling with and I will help you get sorted. Have a good one. Bye for now. I do hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you over in my free Facebook group. It's a great place to get feedback from over 4,000 super supportive members and where I share bonus trainings and content to help make your healthy home journey easier. Just type green product forum in the search bar in Facebook or head into the show notes where you'll find all the places you can find me online. Until next time, have a great day.